Hello, hello, and welcome to the Holistic Fitness Podcast, where you'll learn how to get your goals without burning out. I'm your host, Laurie, and this show isn't just about movement and nutrition. You probably already know that exercise and nutrition is important for your physical and mental well-being and health. It's also about stress management, mindset, shedding those limiting beliefs, and working through some of that childhood trauma while you're at it. Today, I'm joined by Kevin Palmieri. Kevin is the founder and co-host of Next Level University Podcast. Early in his life, Kevin found success in air quotes, but after a brush with near suicide, he realized that he wasn't living a life that he truly wanted. He became passionate about self-improvement and decided to make it his purpose in life to impact as many people as possible by becoming a role model podcaster and speaker. He succeeded to make his podcast one of the top 100 with over 1,100 episodes, and it's listened in over 125 countries. Wow. He has taken his life to the next level and achieved both personal and professional success. I loved speaking to Kevin. He was a truly inspirational individual with so much tangible advice that I know that you'll all benefit from in some way. I personally learned a bunch from him. Some of the topics that we covered was Kevin's personal journey in a deep depression and how he found his passion, imposter syndrome, how to stay consistent and overcoming limiting beliefs to be the person that you truly want to be. I know that you will all enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Enjoy. Hello, hello, Kevin. How is it going this morning? It would not be aligned if I didn't say the same thing in front of the scenes as I did behind the scenes. Another day in paradise is what I'm going with, Lori. I love that. And then you told me that it was 27 degrees in Fahrenheit in New Hampshire and it's yes. a day in paradise. It's Honestly, it's not nearly as bad as it was yesterday or a couple of weeks ago, we had a cold spell where it was like negative 15. So this is this is nothing compared to that. We're grateful. Wow. I just love the optimism and I love the gratitude as well. Look, Kevin, I start these podcasts in the same way for everyone. You know, you do a lot of work in terms of consistency and habits and helping people be their best, best selves. So I would love to know what's the context that I need to know about your life to know why you moved into this space of helping others. Mm. You want the long version or the short version? Share what you feel like is going to connect with people and help people feel heard. Yeah. So I was, for context, I was raised by my mom and my grandmother. I didn't know my father. I did not meet my father until I was 27 years old. So that obviously impacted me in many unique ways, but it definitely put chip on my shoulder for me to be successful. Early in life, I knew I didn't want to go the route that everybody else was going. So after high school, I didn't go to college like all my friends. I worked a bunch of odd jobs and I, you know, I did a bunch of different stuff and I never really figured out what I wanted to do. When I was in my early 20s, like 22, I got this very unique job opportunity. And it was in an industry called weatherization. All we would do is we would go into buildings and we would make them more energy efficient. So we'd work on the doors, the windows, and the attics, stuff like that. So I basically went from making like $15 an hour at my old job to $60 to $120 an hour at this new job. And I had this assumption that that was going to make me happy. That was the key to my happiness. I was going to be fulfilled. I had found my dream job. So if you fast forward a few years, I'm 25 years old. I have a model girlfriend. She is a a model, very beautiful. I have a high paying job. I have a sports car. I had just won a bodybuilding show. So I was in the best shape of my life, but I was miserable. I was insecure. I was afraid of my own shadow. I was scarce. 
I didn't want to leave the house. I was in a very, a very rough place. One day, my girlfriend came to me and she said, I want to move from the East Coast of the US to California and I want to chase my dreams. And I gave her every reason in the world why she shouldn't do it. You know, gas prices are high, real estate's high, job market sucks. Insert excuse here. Truthfully, I was just afraid she was going to leave me behind. That was, that was really my, my biggest fear. And then she, <laughs> she left me behind. She broke up with me and ended up moving across the country, which is exactly what she should have done. I fell into another trap of, yeah, I'll work on myself a little bit, but I need to work on my bank account more. I just thought that was going to, you know, I grew up broke. So that just made sense to me. So I said, I'm going to make the most money I've ever made in my life. That next year starts, I got a promotion at my job. So now I'm a foreman, which means I'm running all these jobs. And that year was the craziest year that company had ever had. By the end of the year, I was on the road for 10 months. So every single week I was in a different state, in a different hotel, working a different shift, but that was in alignment with the goals that I had set. So I was, I was good with it. I opened my final pay stub of the year. I made $100,000 at 26 with no college degree. But I had another one of those moments where I realized I put so much emphasis into external to create internal happiness and fulfillment. And I didn't feel any of that. And quite literally, Lori, I said to myself, I'm done, like mentally, I'm done with this job. For most of my life, I've lived unconsciously. What's the opposite of unconscious? Hyperconscious. So I started a podcast called the Hyperconscious Podcast. Fell out of love with my job, stopped putting effort into my job, started this podcast thing. And I start calling out of work, leaving the job site early, showing up late. I'm just, I don't want to be there. I'm not in it. And everybody knows at this point. But I'm not making any money. You're a new podcaster. You know how it is at the beginning. I wasn't making any money. I didn't have any listeners. I didn't know what I was doing. So that wasn't realistic. And my mental health started to take a turn where things were just rough. I, I'm spending so much time on the road in these crusty hotels. I'm not sleeping. I can't hold a relationship down because I'm never home. It's hard to exercise when you're in a different state every week. So I was, I was in a really tough spot. And it just kept getting worse and worse because I didn't know what to do. And it eventually got to the point where I was in a hotel room in New Jersey, which is six hours away from where I live. My alarm clock went off at 5.15, 5.30, sat up, slid to the edge of the bed, laced up my work boots like I had done a thousand days before. But that morning, it was like there was 10 televisions on in my head at the same time and every mm-hmm. single one was on a different station. One is saying you're stuck here forever. You got lucky to get this job. You can't leave. You'll never make this money again. Money. If you do leave, what will your friends think? If you do leave, what will your family think? And if you do leave, do you really think we're going to do this podcast thing? Like that's, that's what we're going to go with. And in that moment, I felt that if I was to take my life, I would take my problems with me. Now, I'm very blessed because I have an amazing community around me. I had a great friend who is now my business partner. I reached out to him. I said, hey man, I don't know what to do. I'm struggling. What do I do? And he said, Kev, over the last couple of years, your awareness has shifted a ton, but your environments have remained the same. I think it's time for you to shift your environments. So I ended up leaving that job three or four months later and becoming a very broke entrepreneur, very broke podcaster, trying to figure all this out. And that was in 2018. And here we are now in 2023. And I, yeah, we do seven episodes a week and this is my full-time job now. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Kevin. What what a journey. And so much stands out to me, but that comment from your business partner, so much has changed with regards to your consciousness, but your environment Mm. remains the same. Can you share more about 
how your life changed once your environment changed and, and what that looked like. Yeah, I mean, I'm also in a very unique place where I didn't have a lot of negative influences and I didn't have a lot of people who didn't believe in me. But even then, I was being held back by my environment. So mm. after I left my job, something very interesting happened. It was cool to have dreams. It was cool to want more. It was acceptable to say, hey, I'm, I'm not necessarily excited with how things are. I had, at the time, I had two really close friends. I had my business partner and I had my roommate. And my roommate's a real estate investor and he has big goals. My business partner has bigger goals than anybody I've ever met. <laughs> it went from talking about like, you know, oh, we were so cool in high school and remember when we used to do this, remember when we used to do that, to, hey, we got to get our stuff together. Hey, we can't go out this weekend because we got to renovate the house. Hey, we can't go out because I have a podcast. So not only, not only does your environment in your circle create opportunities or lack of opportunities based on alignment, it also helps you figure out are like your core values, your core beliefs, and your core aspirations. That's that was the biggest thing for me is I didn't have anybody intentionally or unintentionally taking me off path. Mm. You know, hey Kev, why do you have to work so much? That I didn't get that. Hey Kev, why can't you be here on Saturday? I didn't get that. That wasn't there. So it in a lot of ways, Lori, it gave me the opportunity to just do the mission. Mm. Like unapologetically do what fulfilled me and what felt to me like I was having impact on the world. It gave me permission to just go all in on my thing, which is something mm. I never really felt before. Oh, for sure. And I I connect to so many so many different areas of your journey. Personally, I grew up, you know, single mom, very low income. Dad wasn't around. And, you know, I got myself to the point where I'm earning a six-figure salary, no college degree. So I completely <laughs> understand your story. But personally, what I found was the poverty mindset, no matter how much you're earning, is still there. That poverty mindset of, you know, um, wanting to go for all of these external things because you never had it and you almost want to give back. And I think that you've made a extremely bold move by moving into being, as you call it, a broke entrepreneur. <laughs> and I know that there's a lot of people out here listening to this podcast. Maybe it's, you know, it's something smaller, like a, a gym habit, and they're holding themselves back because maybe they weren't very good at sports in school and they're they're really struggling to get into these habits because they just don't see themselves as fitting into a certain box or there's some sort of subconscious habit holding them back. How did you make that switch? So uh, I'll preface it with, I don't think I am, I'm unique when it comes to the way I make changes because I just change my behavior and then my identity mm. catches up eventually because my identity was so, it was in a, such a dark place back then where I didn't know if I had the time to, to go there first. So for me, if you tell me, hey Kev, if you do blank, you'll get blank result. I'll just put my head down and do it most times for what I think is valuable for most people is the reason we do or we don't do things is our identity. And it's simple. Uh, when you go, say you go to a concert and it's your favorite band and they say, hey, everybody, we're going we're gonna to choose one person to come on stage and sing this next song with us. Everybody who wants to do it, raise your hand. You are either A, the type of person that would raise your hand or B, the type of person that wouldn't raise your hand because you're so afraid. Yeah. That right there is this, it's the, just the conditioning. So you have to understand you're not not doing something 
based on the reasons you're giving yourself, most likely, you're probably not doing something because there's something unconscious or subconscious or a trauma or a trigger from the past that you have an association with that has now become part of your identity. So yeah, what I do is I always suggest there's three identities. There's your old identity, there's your current identity, and there's your future identity. If we were to sit down and say, 10 years ago, what was your identity? High school. What was your identity in high school? Boom, 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 boom. Okay. What's your identity now? Boom, 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 boom. Okay. What must your identity look like in order for you to have the life that you desire? Boom, 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 boom. Where is your current identity closer to? Your future or your past? And many times when people are stuck, it's closer to the past. Understandably, right? So I think it comes from an awareness standpoint first of where is your identity? Do you actually understand who you really are and who you, because there's a big difference between who I am and then who I want Lori and the listeners to think I am, right? That's like, those are two different things. My goal is obviously to make them very close, but yeah, it just starts with that awareness. Who are you? Who are you when nobody's watching? And how is the way you're talking to yourself affecting yourself? Mm, I love that exercise as well of reviewing your past identity mm-hmm. and the future that you want to be and what behaviors they'd embody and, and how close your current identity is to that. And I also love that you mentioned that having that new identity, it comes from execution. You know, execution builds confidence. Yep. Confidence is what's going to get, you know, well, the execution gets results, results could build your confidence. And then that confidence becomes your new identity. And a lot of us expect us to switch flick and enjoy going to the gym, enjoy eating healthy. But all of that is a gradual process of trying new things and experimenting and then getting to where you want to be. It has to start with a place of sustainability. Mm. I mean, that's, that's it, right? Like one of the reasons that the people's, they make their new year's resolutions. And that's great. I love that. You're trying to improve yourself. The problem is most people are making resolutions greater than their current competence, greater than their current, right? Greater than their current momentum. I think for a lot of us, we look and we say, okay, I am at A, I need to get to Z. When in reality, you got to go through B, C, D, E, F first. So it's almost like I'm at A, how do I get to A.1? or A.2. Mm. And then you worry about that. The, I don't think that people don't get to where they want to go because they're not setting big enough goals. I think it's because they're not setting sustainable enough goals. I really do. It, because if you're looking up at the top of a mountain and saying, I got to get there today. I mean, how many people are actually going to start that journey? Mm. It's right? overwhelming. It is. Know? It's extremely, even even just moving into this new apartment as we were speaking beforehand, yeah. when you're looking at all of the boxes everywhere and you know what it wants, what you want to look like, it's it's tough yeah. when you're just looking at all the boxes. But then once you start to unpack them one by one, it's there's so many examples of life like that. How do you How do you see people stop making those really big goals? How do you see, you know, because I think it's really difficult for people to break these down into really smaller goals because they're like, is five push-ups a day really going to help me? Mm. You know, how do, how do you switch that? Yeah, so one is you can just show them the numbers of, okay, uh, you want to read a book a day? Okay, what if we just read 10 pages a day? The 10 pages times 365 is 3,650. How many books is that? Mm. Like that level of, one of my favorite quotes, from day to day, progress is invisible. I did seven podcasts yesterday. I am no better today. I'm no better today. I might be worse today somehow. 
But if I look a year ago, two years ago, progress is impossible to miss. From day to day, it doesn't, nothing happens really. But from year to year, everything happens. So I think you can show somebody that understanding. And then this is what I like to do. I like to sit down and say, okay, um, let's break your goals up into a couple different buckets. So let's do a 100% goal. Let's do a 99% goal, a 66% goal, a 33% goal, and a 3% goal. All I mean by that is, your 3% goal is something that you believe with 3% of yourself that you can actually accomplish. Like mm. this is your big, hairy, audacious goal. It's the thing that everything you think would have to go right and you'd have to grind your face up. All right, cool. The 33%, what is something that you believe with a third of yourself that you could ac actually accomplish? Same for 66, same for 99, and then same for 100. Just make sure you're setting your goals based on the level of self-belief you have. My business partner sets 3% goals. He, but it doesn't affect his self-worth and he doesn't accomplish them. I am more of like a 66% type. Just understand where you are. And then here's, here's a cool thing. You can reflect and say, okay, last year, my New Year's resolution was to lose 50 pounds by the end of the year. So 50 pounds in 52 weeks. Sustainable, you can do that. Exactly. But maybe it's too big for you. Maybe you should have focused on, I'm going to focus on, I'm going to work out 15 times in January or seven times in January, right? Something small like that to get started. Then you can always, you can always build on and compound on a habit. You mm -hmm. can always do that, but it's very hard for us to take habits backwards because mm -hmm. it's, that, it's that weird thing of, well, I eat like junk all day. I might as well have ice cream. You know, it's that. It's we're already off the rails. Going off the rails a little bit more isn't that big of a deal. Yeah, absolutely. I love the way that you break that, that down as well. Personally, I talk about minimums and maximums. Mm. So on your worst week ever, what's your workout goal? What's your, you know, what's your kind of goal? And also we talk about, you know, fallback, fallback habits as well. Mm -hmm. Maybe your ideal in the gym is 60 minutes, but maybe your fallback habit is doing a five-minute workout at home. Yeah. So there's these minimums and maximums, but you actually break it down further with those different percentages. If I can give 3% of myself or 33% of myself, and I definitely think that would connect with so many different people to help them get their goals without burning out. And yeah. a lot of that burning out comes from our expectations in the mind. 100%. I think a lot of us are just, I don't want to say we're misled, but depending on where you're getting your information of what it's going to take for you to accomplish your goal. So this is my, again, I love analogies and I love examples. That's just like the way I learn. If Lori calls me and says, hey, uh, let's go for a run tomorrow. I might say, yes, I'm not a big runner. I'm not a huge, uh, if you want to lift, I'd love to lift. <laughs> I'm going to ask a couple questions. I'm going to say, where are we going? All right, so are you coming up here? Am I going down there? Uh, what time are we meeting? And uh, how far are we running? That's probably going to be, honestly, the most important question that I ask. Here's why. Because the shoes I wear, different. The amount of water I bring, different. The clothes I wear, different. What I eat the day before, different. The expectations determine the approach. Mm. So if somebody comes to you, and this is why the fitness industry particularly is, is a very dangerous place for many people. Take this and you'll lose X amount of pounds in X amount of days. That's an unrealistic expectation and you're not going to get that result and you're going to think you did something wrong when in reality, the expectation was wrong from the, from the set point or from the beginning. So just having that understanding that your expectations, if they're off, 
the result is always going to be off. And mm. it doesn't necessarily mean you're doing anything wrong other than planning potentially incorrectly. Yeah. From what I see, people's expectations tend to be more grand yeah. than what they're able to achieve. Have you thought about why that is? Um, I think it, I think it's a couple things. I think we take pride in setting massive goals. Mm. I think that's one part of it. I think that this is what I think is one of the biggest things. You have many people who have like a level 10 belief in themselves giving advice to people who don't. Mm. And that right there, if, if somebody hears this episode and says, oh my goodness, Kevin has 1,250 episodes of a podcast and he told me to do seven episodes a week, I've lost my mind if I tell everybody to do that. It's not reasonable. Yeah. So if you leave here and say, I must do what Kevin is doing, that's, that's an unrealistic expectation. That's part of it. The other part is everybody is living in a highlight reel to some degree, mm. right? Myself included. I mean, if I take a bunch of pictures, I use the best one, right? I, that everybody does. That's human nature. But we live in an interesting time where, and I'm going to try to explain this in a cohesive manner. I believe that if you see somebody on social media and you do not have the awareness to understand how they got to where they are, you must draw a conclusion. And 99 times out of 100, that conclusion is based on your own limiting beliefs or your own belief. It's based on your own habits or your own lack of habits. It's based on your own conditioning. If you're somebody who doesn't believe in yourself and you see Lori crushing it with her, with her business, you might say, wow, she got lucky. Or wow, it's because she's, you know, she's a, a beautiful human. Or wow, it's because she's a good speaker, whatever. She must know people. She must network at a high level. When in reality, maybe that's not the truth. Most mm -hmm. likely that's not the truth. So I think it's a, it's a lot of different things, but I think at the deepest level, people believe that they should be setting massive goals because that's what we've been taught. And mm -hmm. I think we've been taught that by people who are comfortable setting massive goals and not everybody is. And that's okay. That's okay. Mm. Yeah, I totally agree with that because I see a lot of clients that'll come in and you know they want to have a weight loss goal, but they say, oh, I don't want to lose any weight. I just want to get more fit and healthy. And it's defining their goals. That's the challenge. And it's like, yeah. well, we don't have to have aesthetic goals. We can have functional goals, but we need some sort of measurement so you you know whether you're getting results or not. Mm. So I always find, find that dichotomy quite interesting too. Do you find that people uh, don't necessarily admit to what really motivates them, especially in fitness? Yeah, I, I definitely see it because we've changed a lot in fitness as well. I do think that a lot of people, especially because my base is mostly women, mm. that we know that the aesthetics isn't as important and a lot more people are working out for their mental health, mm. yet they don't quite know how to measure their mental health yet. So I think a lot of it is people not knowing the measurements of where to go and they know they don't want to do aesthetic. And a lot of it is because they've been set up to fail so many times. Yeah. They've gone on that yo-yo diet of setting crazy goals, failing at those crazy goals, doing nothing, and then coming back to ground zero, then setting that resolution again. So it's, it's, it's a bunch of different things in my opinion. Mm. Awareness is such a... That's the thing. Like I love talking about awareness. Like that's mm. I just love it because... So many things are different if you're aware. If yeah. my business partner and I, we were like, hey, we've been letting it go in fitness. We're going to do a 10 pound and 10 week challenge. 
We're going to lose 10 pounds in 10 weeks. Not because we just chose a number. It's because I can lose a pound in a week. I've done it. I know how to do it sustainably, as does he. That's a healthy amount for me to lose. It's not, right? It's not going to burn me out. Where other people might hear that and say, okay, you know, that's, that's a big goal or that's a small goal or how did you get to that number? It's just the awareness piece. If mm-hmm. with the right awareness, you can't be taken advantage of. With the right awareness, you can take the right approach. With the right awareness, you can understand that sometimes when you're trying to lose weight, you actually gain weight in the beginning. And that's okay. It doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. I, it just happened to me. So yeah, I think awareness, accurate awareness is such an important piece. Absolutely. Even, you know, as a trainer, when you explain to people the newbie gains period, right? So you're probably not going to lose too much weight in those first four weeks because we're literally just trying to build your neuromuscular connections. We're going to lift really light, but insane technique, lots and lots of reps, just so you know how to do it correctly. So when we're ready to put on a bit more weight, you're going to be, you're going to be off to the races. Yeah. You'll know what you're doing. Exactly. You mentioned uh, something about limiting beliefs. Mm. And I'm curious, how do you actually identify your limiting beliefs and then work to change them? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say anytime you're saying I can't because it's almost like I'm not just blank. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not whatever enough. That That's the start is how many times have you said I can't do something because of blank? So for me, for the longest time, one of my limiting beliefs is I could never get, I could never be successful. I can never um, attract an attractive partner based on the fact that I'm five foot four. I'm short. I'm insecure about that. I'll never have a beautiful partner. And I've dated many beautiful humans. My wife is gorgeous. I'm very blessed. But it started with me saying, is that a story I'm telling myself? Is that like a unique story that kind of gives me an out not to approach women? Is that a unique story that kind of gives me a reason not to chase rejection? Interesting. Okay, let me look at that. So I think we can, we could fill a bucket if we sat down and said, all right, what are all the reasons I can't be successful? That. I think humans were really good at figuring that out. When if I said, give me five things you like about yourself, sometimes that can be a challenge. And I, I very much understand that. Again, number one, uh, start admitting it to yourself. Start admitting it to yourself. When I, I remember um, my business partner and I went to California and we brought our podcast equipment. We went to this big event. We were just like interviewing people and it was awesome. And we went to this guy's house, this guy's mansion. And we interviewed him in his movie theater. Okay, so here I am in California, living the dream. I should be happy as, as a clam. We go downstairs after the, after the interview and he's cooking for us in his outdoor kitchen by the pool. And I had this extreme moment of insecurity when my business partner and the host, the, the guy that was hosting us, were talking about business. And I, my limiting belief is I'm not smart enough. I could never know enough. I could never learn enough. And I will never be good enough to sit in conversations like this. I admitted it to myself of like, is that real? That can't be real. Like, that's not real. That's just the way I'm feeling. Then I told Alan, I said, hey man, I know you like enjoyed that conversation, but I was in my head the whole time and I, I was miserable. And he said something very powerful to me. He said, Kev, what if you aren't smart enough yet? He said, I'm not saying you're not smart. You're a very smart human being. But what if you just haven't learned those things that you feel the lack of yet? I was like, interesting. So mm-hmm. from that day forward, I haven't missed the day of learning 
I, I learn every minute, every day, 30 minutes a day. That's how you overcome it. You admit it, and then you put some sort of frame, some sort of habit, some sort of practice where you get a little bit of exposure therapy to it every single day. Or if you feel like it's an empty hole, you do something to fill that hole every day. It's just that. It's it's a, an experiential thing that you have to practice. And the problem with that is practicing it kind of sucks in the beginning. Yeah. It, it's It's uncomfortable, but that's the key to everything. The first time you walk in the gym, it's like, I don't know what any of this does. That's okay. That's okay. You're there. You're there. The effort is way more valuable in the beginning than the result. The, the result does not matter. The effort. So that, you identify it and then you figure out, okay, what is the lowest barrier to entry for me to start exposing this a little bit? Nothing crazy. Just something small. Conversation with a stranger. Okay, cool. You know, um, instead of putting a, a picture on Facebook, you take a picture on your phone and just look at yourself. Okay, cool. That, small stuff at the beginning. Hey, Holistic Fitness fam, a quick message from one of our sponsors, Ned. As you all know, I recommend good nutrition, movement, and stress management practices before supplementing so you know what type of supplementation that your body actually needs. For me, I supplement with very few products, but Ned is one of them. I'm a type A, high-energy, ambitious business girly with massive goals. And sometimes I honestly just need to chill out and relax a bit. I've found that both Ned's de-stress and sleep blends fit in with my busy lifestyle and ambitious goals, but I was honestly not a big fan of CBD products before trying Ned, mostly because of the culture surrounding weed. I just didn't want something that was going to alter my state of mind so that I became much less of a goal-getter or less ambitious. That was until I learned about full-spectrum hemp and their benefits. Ned blends a chock full of premium CBD and a full-spectrum hemp of active cannabinoids. Ned's full-spectrum hemp oil nourishes the body's endocannabinoid system to offer functional support for stress, sleep, inflammation, and balance. These products are science-backed, nature-based solutions that offer an alternative to prescription and over-the-counter drugs. All of Ned's full-spectrum hemp oil is extracted from USDA-certified organic hemp plants grown by an independent farmer named Jonathan in Colorado. I'm obviously a big fan, but don't take just my word for it. Ned CBD products have over 2,000 five-star reviews, and they work with incredible partners in the medical field like Dr. Caroline Leaf, Dr. Christian Gonzalez, and Dr. Will Cole. Ned is providing Holistic Fitness podcast listeners a very special discount. If you'd like to give Ned a try, listeners get 15% off Ned products with the code Lori Lee, L-O-R-I-L-E-E. Thanks, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering a natural remedy to bring balance to so many people's well-being. You know, you spoke about having a seat at the table there. And to me, that sounds a lot like imposter syndrome. And I love your solution there around learning more about that topic. But what I've observed with imposter syndrome, I've had the the privilege of being able to train so many people, but also lead so many people. And I've seen imposter syndrome a lot. A lot. And what I see is that a lot of people's thoughts aren't true. They mm. are smart enough to be at the table. They have 100% of the qualifications, yet they're still beating themselves up. Would you offer the same advice to those people and they should upskill in those specific topics? Or is there a different strategy those people would use? 
Yeah. I, so this is my this is my belief. I don't know if imposter syndrome ever goes away if you're actually growing. Mm. That, that I went on a, sh- a podcast yesterday, and I had a moment where this person was getting their doctorate in psychology, and I was like, "Hmm, uh, did we get mixed up? Are you looking for another <laughs> Kevin? Uh, what are we doing here?" I had that moment of I don't belong here. I'm not going to be able yeah. to hold my own. And I, it was awesome. I crushed it. It was great. It was a great interview. And I told my wife uh, later, I was like, I had an interview on this show and I was, I really did well. I was proud of myself. I still have imposter syndrome. I don't know if that's, if that's unique to me. I don't know. I think that, I think as human beings, most of us have a home. My home, unfortunately, and I'm working on it every day, but my home, my default setting, unfortunately, is lack. It's not enoughness. That's the way I feel Mm. often. Where other people, their home, my business partner, he, I don't think he's ever felt imposter syndrome. He has no idea what that even is. <laughs> he's never felt it. For him, his home is, I can do this. I can do this. That's it. Mm. He doesn't, there's almost nothing else. He, he decided he wanted to run a marathon on two days notice. And I was like, he's like, you could do it if you wanted. I said, Alan, no, I couldn't. No, I couldn't. I simply couldn't. It's not physically possible for me. And he only made it like halfway and then he, he walked the rest. But yeah, I, it's hard. I think that when you, you have to look at the most recent and relevant proof. Mm. I don't know if imposter syndrome ever goes away, but you do get higher quality proof where you can look back and say, well, th- so this is what I did yesterday. A couple months ago, I was on a podcast with, uh, she was a doctor in space. And I was like, I don't belong on this at all. Went really well. We had a great conversation. Go figure. So I looked at that when I was feeling insecure yesterday. Next time I'm feeling insecure, which will probably be next week, I'll look back at that interview and that's the recent relevant proof that I look for. So I would say try to get some recent relevant proof going. Yeah, that's a really tangible tangible piece of advice. And I would say every single guest on my podcast is smarter than me. Like even today, you have provided so many pieces of advice that even though I teach people this stuff too, that I can take on personally, which I I love. And I guess that is my recent and relevant proof. And and it's what I share with my team as well. Be okay with other people being smarter than you, because if they are in your circle of influence by osmosis, you're elevating yourself. Yeah, you're winning. Well, I appreciate that compliment very much. That means we're we're doing something right. You're also an excellent host. So I will give you, I want to make sure I throw the compliment back. Oh, thank you. No, you're so many, so many nuggets that I'll definitely take away today. Something you mentioned in your intro that I definitely do want to touch on was your breakup with the with the model girlfriend. Mm. You mentioned that when she wanted to leave, you were giving her all of the excuses of why she wouldn't leave. And she did leave and you you commend her for that. You know, personally, I told you before I was on the podcast, I, um, I'm in a new apartment, so I'm not in my ideal space right now. I've got doors behind me. Um, people who, who are listening won't see that. But the reason why is because of a breakup. Mm. And, you know, a big part of my breakup was wanting someone to hype me up, you know, wanting somebody to be like, you know what, get it girl and stuff like that. And it sounds like, you know, she, she left to pursue her dreams and you were almost like giving her all of those limiting beliefs as Mm -hmm. to why she shouldn't pursue her dreams. I'm sure with your wife, like you've learned lessons and, you know, maybe she wasn't ideal for you and all of that sort of stuff. But can you dive into that relationship and just share some of the things you learned there? Yeah. So even to your point, when my, when she left, my girlfriend left, I was actually grateful she left because I knew it was going to happen at some point. Mm. I knew it was going to happen at some point. I was just grateful it was over. So I'll throw that out there as well. Yeah. 
Um, I learned that two things. Number one, there's a giant difference between attracting someone and attracting and sustaining someone. That's mm. part one. And then number two, the closer you get to somebody, the closer you get to their truth, but also the closer you get to your own truth. I was a very insecure man who was not ready for somebody who had that level of ambition. I just, mm. I wasn't, I wasn't ready because I did want what was best for her, but I didn't want what was best for her regardless of myself. Yeah. And those are, those are two different, that's just a two, that's two different relationships. If my wife came to me today and said, Hey, um, I don't expect this to ever happen, but I'm not happy with you. And I would be happier with Patrick Dempsey or insert actor here. Like this person wants to date me. It would suck, but I'd be like, well, if you'd be happier with them, then that's cool. Like, I understand. Mm. I want you to be happy. That's why I married you in the first place. That's that's the oath that I took. I want you to be happy. It was the fact that I allowed my own insecurities to affect my ability to be a supportive man in my relationship. That was it. I, 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 was, I was riddled with insecurities and I allowed those to... to really discolor our relationship. And at the deepest level, I had those insecurities before we started dating, but I assumed being with her would fix them. Mm. I thought she could fix me. I genuinely thought being with this human will fix me. And I'll feel confident because she's confident. And I'll feel enough because she's beautiful. And whatever, insert thing here. I had a, a giant history of assuming anything external would fill internal voids. That's that, that was really it. And I was guilty of thinking that things that elevated my external state would also elevate my internal state. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. that's not really how it happens. It's, it's just doesn't usually work that way. That level of self-awareness that you have, it's insane because a lot of people listening to this podcast will be like, well, that's not a good thing. You shouldn't go into a relationship thinking this person's no. going to complete you. Yeah, but don't do, do that. It. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. But the the beautiful part of self-awareness is I don't regret it because I didn't know. Now, mm. that's a fine line too because you can get away with things by saying that. But I I do regret the fact that I tried to stop somebody from accomplishing their dreams. I do regret that. But I don't regret the fact that I thought that person could heal me because I didn't, I didn't know. And we both have, I mean, we've talked since and we both have fond memories of that relationship. We, we both feel like that served the purpose in the time. So that's, that's part of it too. But self-awareness is, it's the key. It just is. Mm -hmm. I believe it's the most valuable thing on the planet. And the only person who can really teach you about yourself is you. I mean, you can, mm -hmm. you can get influenced by other people, but it's like, you got to sit with the stuff and sift through it. And I've done that many times. That's why I'm so comfortable talking about the, the things that don't make me look so good in the past, unfortunately. Oh, we all have them. Oh, yes, goodness. We I, I have them. I do say, I do, on the other side, I, what was extremely hard for me breaking up with my most recent relationship and actually my relationship before that is breaking off a good relationship because you know that they'll be happier with another human. Mm. And something that's extremely difficult for me but you know even though it's good you know that it can be better and that they'll be better with someone who isn't you um even though you put so much into the relationship and something you said it was about um you learn more about that self you, when you're trying to sustain the relationship you more learn more about that person but you also learn a lot more about yourself mm -hmm. and what you want 
Can you dive into that a little bit more? Yeah. I, the If you want to learn about yourself, get close to somebody because you are a mirror in a relationship and your partner is also a mirror in a relationship mm. because what you value and what you care about and the things that are closest to the heart are the most challenging. They're, the conversations I have with my wife when I'm being vulnerable are very challenging because I'm so afraid to hurt or be hurt. Mm. So... I think it's one of those interesting things where it gives you the opportunity to be vulnerable, which helps you understand yourself at a deeper level. And there are just conversations you're going to have with your partner that are like just real life stuff. Like they're just the real life, like this is where our life is right now. Yeah. And this is kind of what's happening. And are you getting your needs met? Am I getting my, my needs met? It just gives you the opportunity to have conversations that are not surface level at all. Mm. And how well do you do in those conversations? You're, are you happy with the way you react when you're triggered? Are you able to communicate, hey, babe, uh, just so you know, I had a rough day today and I'm feeling very overwhelmed. I haven't eaten. I'm running on low sleep and my state is off. Just if I come off in any type of way, my apologies. Do you have that level of awareness to, to throw that out there? When your partner comes to you and says, hey, I'm having a problem. Do you say, okay, here's five ways to solve it. Or do you say, hey, that really sucks. Do you want a shoulder to lean on? That, it, it's almost like the inputs that you get the opportunity to create, then you get to practice and then you get to see how those things work in real life. Yeah, that. I know that's like all over the place and deep, but that's what I would say. Yeah, but it's a lot of people don't have that capability, like including most of my previous relationships. A big lesson I had to learn I, I'm crazy high energy. And I guess this is where I'm sharing my my dirty laundry is I could not just let him relax by himself when he'd had a bad day. I would take it personally. I'd be like, what's wrong with me? Why don't you want to hang out just like a golden retriever or a puppy dog, but when they're being really annoying. So learning those and being able to have those conversations is game changing. Yeah. And then like from there, it's almost... You have to be very honest with yourself about what fills your cup and what fills your partner's cup. Exactly. So, you know, like having, you can have dates together. I, I like to have a, a day a week where I have a me date, where I mm. sit on the couch. Like tonight, we're recording this on Saturday. There's fights on tonight. I'm going to watch UFC tonight, right? Tomorrow, Sunday is date day. Every Sunday, we try to do some sort of date. But I used to get super afraid that if I said, hey, babe, I just need a little bit of space tonight. I was afraid that she would she would react that way, mm. and she, that's not the way uh, you know her love languages are are designed. So she didn't. But I understand that can be very challenging for people. But it's it's that that level of communication around. Um, this is what fills my cup. This is what fills your cup. How do we make sure we're both filling our cups on our own, and then together we're filling them, but we're all getting our needs met. But that's based mm. on, like you said, that's based on vulnerability and just saying, hey. Uh, can you help me feel a little bit more certain around the fact that you don't want to spend time tonight? What is that? Can you explain to me like what your thought process is around so I can understand where you're coming from? My wife says that all the time. She'll say, like, can you repeat the question so I can, can I, so I can really think about it? Or can you change the words you're using? Like, can you reframe what you just said mm. just so she can understand? Because when you understand, you can influence or impact or yeah, you can connect at a deeper level. Yeah. And that just gave me a thought as well. It's wild how in one area of our life, so maybe it's work, you'd be comfortable saying to someone, do you mind reframing that question? Mm -hmm. But that doesn't translate to our home. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, it's different dynamics. Yeah. It's 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 sure. different. It's different dynamics. If you're a leader in the real world, quote unquote, and you don't feel like a leader in your relationship, that's that's a challenge. Um, one of the one of the interesting things that I've seen with relationships is the dynamic that the relationship starts in is usually the dynamic that the relationship stays in. Mm. Which is that was kind of the reason that old relationship I had failed because the relationship started with my partner being super confident and me being faking confidence. She was the leader in that relationship in many regards. Mm. It would have been, is it possible? Absolutely. It would have been very challenging for me to uh, reshift that to like, I am the confident leader, whatever that means. I just didn't feel like I could do that. So it's very important to understand. I think this is why when people get to relationships when they're in a dark place, it's a it's a weird place to be because that's not who you actually are, you know, energetically and, and vibrationally. So there's a lot that goes into that. But yeah, relationships are a whole thing. It's the hardest thing in the world. It is a whole thing. And yeah. I think rebranding re and in no matter what way, I see a lot of people break up once they start start to lose weight or once they start to get fitter or they're starting to elevate themselves to a different vibration. Can you tell me, I know we've spoken about a lot today. We've spoken about goals. We've spoken about limiting beliefs, imposter syndrome. We've spoken about relationships. How does this re relationship dynamic affect goals and your ability mm. to get goals? Yeah. So. Um some people are subconsciously holding themselves back from their own success because they know, not they might not even know this consciously, but they know somewhere that if I accomplish X goal, I most likely am going to end up leaving this person behind. So that's that's one part of it. The other part of it is somebody might be unintentionally or intentionally anchoring somebody like I did with my partner of if you leave me or if you grow too much, you're going to outgrow me. Yeah. That's a part of it. One of the things that I have seen very often is when, so let's just say for the sake of uh, example, you're both on a level five when it comes to growth. One person stays at a level five, one person goes to a level six, then a level seven, then a level eight, and that person keeps going. What often ends up happening is the person who isn't growing feels like a victim Mm. And they villainize the person who is growing. And they resent that person. It's like, how dare you outgrow me? How dare you care more about your goals than I, whatever that is? So yeah, the growth piece to a relationship makes it super, super challenging. You have to ask yourself this question. So there's four buckets. You have core values, core beliefs, core aspirations, which are goals. And then you have core community you have to check in on what are your core aspirations. You Okay, you want to be a billionaire and your partner doesn't care about money ever at all? Like, okay, interesting. Or you want to be a, an NFL athlete or a WNBA athlete and your partner values quality time? Interesting. That's going to be a challenge. Things yeah. are not necessarily aligned there. So you have to make sure that the, going back to the 33, the three, the 66, you have to make sure that the goals you are setting together and separately are also in alignment with the human conditions that you are. If you mm. value quality time, it's going to be very hard to do certain things. If you value fun, unique experiences, you know, that's a little bit different as well. So it's not only understanding the human, but it's understanding what the goals do to 
the human and the humans in the relationship. Wow. That's such a good way to break it down. And I love how you provided that analogy of of that person that's sitting on level five, feeling like a victim in the relationship yeah. because they do. Yeah. Under, I mean, I've been there. Yeah. Understandable. Mm. That's, I, that's one of the things I'm grateful for is I've been in both positions. Yeah. Which it sucks on, it sucks in both ways. But I, ha- I had somebody that I was dating say like, hey, you think way too much. You think mm. too much. Like, could you just like take it easy and think less? It's like, no. I like thinking a lot. I like thinking a lot. And after we had a, like a breakup, I, we were dating. We weren't really like together. But after that, she villainized me. Mm. She sent some not so nice messages of like, this is why you're never going to be happy. And this is why you're never going to be successful. And it's like, look, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you just don't know what you're talking about. But that's okay. Yeah, I feel that on a very deep level. And sometimes it's because it doesn't mean they're a bad person. They just don't understand the way that your brain works. Yeah, yeah. And how could they? Yeah. Right, like, that's another piece of, that's like a thing that I've been having a lot of recently is it's way easier to have empathy for somebody when you don't expect them to understand you. How could you possibly understand the fact that I want to have the most successful podcast in the self-improvement industry. Like, that's crazy talk. Of course, you're not going to believe me. I completely understand. It, that, it, you can't really, I won't say you can't. It's very hard to believe in something or someone when you don't believe in yourself. Mm. It's very challenging to believe in some Because you're thinking to yourself, I could never do that. So how could this person? Understandably. I think that's another part of the human condition. Yeah. Oh, we've spoken about so many different things. <laughs> different and interesting topics today, Kevin. And I've just, I could speak to you for hours, honestly. Likewise, likewise. But before we do get to a closing question, uh, is there anything that you want to share with the audience today that you feel like you haven't shared yet? Any pieces of wisdom? Oh, man, yeah. Uh, one quote, one of my favorite quotes. It's a question and it's a challenging question. I will preface it, but I, it's one of the best ones in the world for my, for my humble opinion. Uh, are the people in your life the best from your past or the best for your future? Ooh. I had a, I was dating somebody and she said, Hey, I want to meet your friends. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And my friends are great. And I said, uh, so there's two, you're going to meet two of my friends. Friend one, he is the most humble, most respectful man on the earth. Like big brother, just a good dude. He, he's going to care about you so much because I care about you. I would leave you, if I died, I'd want you to go like live with him because I know he'd take care of you. The best guy. Second friend. Oh, interesting. And this is my thought process. He's kind of a dick and he's most likely going to make fun of you because he thinks it's funny even though it's not funny. He 100% is going to say inappropriate things. Guaranteed, it's going to get uncomfortable. And I got to the point where I said, imagine if somebody had to introduce me that way. Mm. how would I feel? I would not feel very good about myself. And that was a moment where I was like, are, is this person the best from my past or are they the best for my future? And I started making different decisions based on that question because I think a lot of us, we fall, many people are more afraid to feel alone than anything else. And it's almost like, I don't think we fear loss of love. I think we fear loss of attention. Mm. I really do. Because loss of attention oftentimes can can feel like uh, loss of belonging. Just because somebody, you know, you went to high school, you used to party together, you used used to do whatever, doesn't mean that that is what's best for you in your future, especially if you've changed. And especially if they haven't. 
So that's the question I would ask. That's a brilliant question. I, I honestly feel like I need to ask that question. I have an amazing group of friends and I think moving to a new country, I'm living in the US as well, but I just think me included and so many people listening can ask themselves that question. We do have a closing question on the podcast and that is, if you were to meet your 20-year-old self <laughs> and give him one sentence of advice, what would it be? I'd punch him in the throat first off and say, <laughs> hey, get it together. No. That's uh, my favorite response so far. <laughs> 20-year-old self, I would say uh, no matter... So I'm 33. 13 years from today, you're going to end up somewhere. I mean, in thir- at, at 33, you're going you're gonna to be doing something. You're going to be living somewhere. You're going to be dating someone. What can you start doing today to make sure that 13 years from today, you're actually living the life you want? Mm-hmm. That. Because I never... Again, there's a reason I, I talk about awareness and consciousness so much. I was just unconscious. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And again, when you're 20, I don't know that many of us do, and that's totally fine. But that, what could you do today that your future self would be grateful you did? What could you do today that would actually create a life of abundance in the future? Not what feels good today. Mm. I know getting hammered and going to the beach feels good today, but <laughs> what's good today is not always good forever. Just, I would try to give him that awareness. That's awesome. And we don't have that awareness when we, you know, some some listening may, but I certainly didn't at 20 years. I was more about like, let's go to the music festival. Festival Still love music festivals, but just a lot more sober than I used to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same, same. Yeah. I am sure so many people listening today have just connected with so many of the words that you've said and would love to listen to you more. So where can we all find you, Kevin? I always suggest the podcast. So just search Next Level University. We're on all the platforms. We're on video on YouTube as well. Our thing is heart-driven, but no BS, holistic self-improvement for dream chasers. So you got a really good mix of it today based on the amazing questions that I was asked. So yeah, just check that out. And then if you ever need anything, everything you need is in our show notes. I'm sure Lori will put them there. Reach out, questions, comments, concerns. I am, I am here for you. Kevin, it has been an absolute pleasure. And I know that your podcast, I don't know when, will be the number one in self-help at some stage. Like, you know, posting that much content, all of this advice, and I'm sure you get amazing guests as well. So thanks so much for joining today. Thank you. No worries. And for everyone listening, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Eat well, move well, breathe well. And until next time, keep shining.